I'll have a passage of scripture for you today, if you can believe that. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. May the Lord add his blessing upon this reading of this holy word. Help us to hear it, understand it, believe it, and then live in response to it. Let's be an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for the gift of another day of worship, the music and the prayers, the fellowship. We are so blessed to be together. We need this time to be centered, to be grounded in you to be reminded of what's most important. So for this hour, this time, we give you thanks. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these, my friends, and your servants. Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us do receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I think the music has been wonderful today, especially, hasn't it? Hasn't it been good? Yeah. I tell you, Matthew must have eaten his Wheaties this morning. He was going crazy on that piano, wasn't he? It's amazing how music, amen, music will stir the mind and heart. Just a few notes of music can really lift us up and... And and ignite in us an array of of emotions. I mean, just a couple notes can remind us of that first kiss. Or the bittersweet memory of a love that was lost. You know, movie makers know this and they use it to their advantage. I don't know if you've noticed that. Ever tried to watch a very dramatic movie without the sound when it's muted? It completely loses its impact. I mean, all the screeches and sounds and, and music give the movie its impact. I mean, for example, it's Halloween coming up. Try to watch the movie Halloween, if you dare, without the... It's not as scary. It's simply not. Now, there were two notes of music written for a particular movie that have caused more terror and fear than I believe any other notes made for a movie. In fact, these two notes have been so powerful that they've kind of gone into the American psyche. They are the E note followed by the F note. And they were originally recorded with six cellos and two basses. Anybody guess? Jaws. There you go. I mean, John Williams created that score. And of course, Williams has created many other scores for movies that have been brilliant. But when he was interviewed about that particular score of music for Jaws... They, they asked him, how, how did you come up with those notes? It's so simple, yet so scary. And this is what he said. He said, I was trying to describe the shark to the listener in an unconscious way. 
I knew the music needed to be primal and unstoppable. Well, if you've seen Jaws, you know indeed how primal and unstoppable the shark was. In fact, you may be one of those many folks who watched the movie and then thought twice about wading into the ocean. Williams was amazing. He was brilliant. He took two simple notes and struck fear into our hearts. And the message of those two notes are no hope, no hope, no hope. And the message of those notes seem to be the soundtrack of our culture today. Everywhere we turn, another mass shooting in Maine, no hope. More violence and terror and bloodshed and fear in Israel, no hope. On a personal level, loved ones have died and loved ones are suffering, no hope. And it seems like the jaws of hopelessness are closing in around us. And it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to get swallowed up in defeat. And maybe that's how you feel today. Well, today I have some good news for you. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to allow the jaws of despair to swallow you up. Why is that? Well, because we believe in the resurrection. We are the people of the resurrection. And the truth of the resurrection rings so bright and so strong and so loud that they drown out the, the hopelessness of the E and F notes. And I tell you this this morning, if you allow the power of the resurrection to flow through you here in worship today, you'll find a, a hope that brings healing. You'll find a peace that brings joy and you'll find the, the life you've always wanted because the truth and the message of the resurrection is this, that God has the last word. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're experiencing, God has the last word. The truth of the resurrection is this, that the worst thing is never the last thing. How do I know that? Because Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And because I live, you also shall live. This is why we worship on Sunday. Because every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Sunday we celebrate that Jesus Christ is alive. Every Sunday we remember that God has the last word. And that's why I believe that every sermon should have a sense of hope to it. Every sermon, because what we believe as Christians should have a sense of hope. Because let's face it, if Jesus is not alive, all this means nothing. If Jesus is not alive, my preaching is empty. If Jesus is not alive, if there is no resurrected Savior, there is nothing worth getting out of bed for today. It means nothing. One time a Sunday school teacher wrote on a board these three questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? And then the teacher said, you know, science tries to explain or answer that first one. Where did I come from? 
And then he said, philosophy tries to answer the second one. Why am I here? And then the teacher said, and no one tries to answer the last one. Where am I going? But then he said, only Jesus Christ answers all three questions. Now, sometime before he passed away, Billy Graham was invited back to his hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, to attend a dinner in his honor. And he was hesitant because of his Parkinson's. But they said, Dr. Graham, just come. We don't expect a major address. We just want to love on you and honor you. And so we went. And after they said glowing things about the great evangelist, Graham, he got into the podium and he said this. He said, today I'm reminded of the great physicist Albert Einstein, who one day was traveling by train. And the conductor was going down the aisle punching tickets, and then he got to Einstein, and Einstein could not find his ticket. He was looking for it everywhere, in his coat pocket, in his back pocket, in his briefcase. He could not find it, and he was frantic. And the conductor said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry, we know who you are. And the conductor went down the aisle. And then sometime later, the conductor looked back and he saw Einstein on his hands and knees looking for his ticket. And so he ran back to Einstein and said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. We, we know who you are. It's okay. And Einstein looked back at the conductor and said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> and after... Billy Graham told that story. He said, you see, today I'm wearing this brand new suit. I just bought this suit for two occasions, for today and for my funeral. I'm going to be buried in this suit. And then he said, when you hear that I have died, I don't want you to remember this suit. I want you to remember this. Not only do I know who I am, I know where I'm going. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means we know where we're going. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that that life wins over death. That good wins over evil. That God wins over sin. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means God has the last word. And only the Christian faith claims this. Only the Christian faith. New Age philosophy says that this world is just a war between the forces of darkness and the forces of light, and we don't know who's going to win. Buddhism says that this world is just an endless cycle of sufferings over and over again, and the best we can hope for is nirvana, which is the extinguishing of consciousness, the obliteration of personal identity. Hinduism says that this world is really unreal and eventually it'll be wiped out, disintegrated, which means history has no significance. The secular world believes this, that only the strong survives. You only go around once. Don't trust anybody. Only the Bible claims that God is going somewhere with this world. Only the Bible claims that Jesus Christ is alive and well and can give us new life. Only the Bible claims that God has destroyed evil and sin. When we say we believe in the resurrection, we mean this. That God can repair what is broken. He can can lift up what has been cast down. He can renew what is old. 
That's what we believe. So if you feel discouraged today, I want to tell you this. You've come to the right place today, church. You have come to the right place. Because I'll tell you this, you haven't come to a concert hall today. You haven't come to an event center today. You've come to the only place that will tell you where real life is found. You've come to the only place where you can find peace, hope, and joy. You come to the only place where you know where you can find fulfillment and satisfaction and wholeness. You've come to the only place that's going to tell you you can only find it through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ will give you power for living. In fact, in Romans, the Apostle Paul dares to say this. It's one of the most amazing things you'll find in Scripture. The Apostle Paul says, the same power, listen, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us and those who follow Him. Can you believe that? The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, Paul said, lives and breathes in us. You know, life has many great truths. Did you know that? One of them is, never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. The other truth is, when you put the word the and the IRS together, it spells theirs. Did you know that? Another great truth is that our souls have been created by God to soar. To be filled with joy. And honestly, whenever I think about that truth, I always think about my favorite scene in in Mary Poppins. I don't know if you remember it. When Uncle Albert is in that sterile bank vault. Remember that? Remember what he does? And he just begins to laugh. And as he laughs, he begins to float higher and higher and higher in the air. And his laughter is contagious. And the children are with him, right? And they begin to laugh. And as they laugh, they begin to rise and rise and rise and rise. And they're filled with laughter. Folks, we have been born, we have been created to soar by the power of Jesus Christ. That's why one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives and breathes in us and has created us to soar, to rise above defeat, to rise above evil, to rise above pain. But here's a sad thing. We so quickly give our joy away. We so quickly allow other people to steal our joy. Have you noticed that? Now recently I came across something and... I posted it on my Facebook page, and normally I don't share things from the pulpit on my what's on my Facebook page. It seems rather trite, but this created such a reaction that I have to repeat it. Imagine, if you will, that you have $86,400 in your bank account right now. And if you do, by the way, we expect you to tie 10% of that to the church, okay? But that's not the illustration. in your bank account, right? And and imagine if somebody stole $10 out of that. Would you, out of that experience, just give the rest of that money away? Would you give the rest of the $86,390 away just to get back at that person for what they did? Heck no! You wouldn't do that. You would just forget about it and move on. Did you know? That God has given each of us 
400 seconds of every day. And just because someone comes along in 10 seconds and does something negative towards us or says something terrible or life presents us in 10 seconds something awful, are we going to let the rest of those seconds, are we going to waste them? No. God has given us so much. We have been born to soar. We have been born to be alive in Jesus Christ. Don't forget that, that God has the last word. No matter what you bring into worship today, the worst thing will never be the last thing because I tell you, Jesus Christ and His resurrection proves that God gives us power for living. But I tell you this, Jesus Christ gives us power in death as well. And we remember that today. All Saints Sunday, we see those lists of names. And honestly, you may be thinking, well, Charlie, we're playing I'll Fly Away, and it seems to be a happy occasion. Shouldn't it be somber? No. It should be a celebration. Because I tell you this, in Hebrews it says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight of sin, And go to the goal of Christ Jesus. That image in the Bible of since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know what that that image really means in scripture? That means that all the saints of heaven are surrounding us. Cheering us on. The image there in scripture is that of of a stadium of people in a sporting event. Cheering on those who are running. Cheering on those who have... The sport in them. The other night I was at a Bolts game. Amen. Be the thunder. And that is an amazing event. Ever been to a Bolts game before? And I love the energy and the electricity and the excitement of a Bolts game. Thunder. Right? You're in there and you're screaming and you're yelling for a hockey team. And the image of Scripture is even greater. That all these clouds of witnesses, which includes this list... They are cheering us on because they realize they know the power of the resurrection. They've experienced it. And they are cheering us on, telling us, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. This is real. Now, let me address an important question I often get as a pastor. Many times, we will cite the Apostles' Creed in worship, don't we? And in that creed... We say, I believe in the resurrection of the body. That's what we say. And many people wonder, well, is that that our old bodies, the bodies we have now? I hope not, right? Or, Or do we get new bodies? And this is a real concern for people I've come across as a pastor. A real concern. Because many people will think about that when they think about those who have been cremated. And they wonder... Is it the same? That's an issue, right? If, if I get cremated or if I have a loved one who gets buried at sea, what's the Christian answer to that? Well, it doesn't matter if you've been cremated or buried in a coffin. The truth is, the Bible tells us that we return to the earth, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But what the Bible also tells us is that we will receive new bodies 
will still be recognized. I'm going to get into that later. But we will receive new bodies. Amen. I hope I get a six-pack in heaven. What about you? I've never had one. But maybe the question for you today is, well then, Charlie, how will we be recognized in heaven? And I believe the Apostle Paul gives us the clue in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He says this, For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond measure. What what did Paul mean there? An eternal weight of glory. You know, C.S. Lewis studied this verse. And you know what C.S. Lewis said about it? He said that eternal weight of glory in heaven will not be what other people think about us. That weight of glory will be what God thinks of us when we're in heaven. When Jesus Christ puts his arms around us and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. So you see, the beauty all of us will have in heaven will be different than on earth. Because I believe this, in heaven, through what I've read in scripture, I believe something like this, that in heaven will be recognized by who we are on the inside. Our love, our virtues, our personality, who we are, will recognize other people by who they are on the inside. You know, so many people are afraid of death. But we on this All Saints Sunday, as we believe in the resurrection of the body, we as Christians are not. Because we believe death is our victory. We believe as Christians that at death, all the promises that we've believed in and prayed for and lived for will come to fruition. Now, we're not in a hurry to die, but we know this. Whether we're resurrected in heaven or we live here on earth, we know the power of Christ is always with us. And therefore, we can be confident. That's what Paul was trying to say in the passage we have today. He's saying the afflictions and the pain we have on earth today is not worth comparing with the glory we'll have in heaven. All of this today is temporary. And when you compare it to the glory in heaven, it far outweighs it. So don't be discouraged. Paderewski was one of the great pianists in Poland and prime minister. And he was, he was trying to, to spread the arts in Poland, kind of this campaign. And so he decided to plan a, a recital, a concert in a small village in Poland. So they scheduled it. The night of the concert came. And there was a young mother who bought two tickets for that concert for her and her young son who was just taking piano lessons. And so their seats were right near the stage. And so the mother saw a friend and she began to talk to her and she turned away from her son. And when she turned back, her son was gone. I mean, she didn't know where he was and she was searching frantically for him. When all of a sudden, the stage lights came on and everyone knew where her son was. He was at the piano playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Well, the mom was mortified. And the stagehands, they, they tried to grab the kid. When all of a sudden, Paderewski appeared. And he, and he shooed them away. Just go away, go away. 
And he walked up to the boy, walked up behind him quietly, and then whispered in his ear as he played, Son, keep going. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't, get, don't quit playing. And then Paderewski put one arm around the boy on the piano and another arm and began to play this beautiful music with the boy who was playing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And everyone was mesmerized by the music they played together. What does the resurrection mean? It means Jesus coming alongside of you today. Today. And whispering to you, don't quit. Keep going. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'll always be with you. I will always have the last word. And this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Eternal God, thank you for this day. It's bittersweet. We, we miss, we so miss these folks, these saints who have outrun us to your house. But teach us too today to be encouraged. Because though the world sees it as death, we see it as new life. Because we know your resurrection power is alive and well. Oh Lord, remind us of that, that it's real and you are real. And may we be encouraged and empowered by it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Real quick, there's a line in that amazing hymn that says, One little word shall fell him, should fell the devil. I recall Mr. Rogers once said, he was speaking to a professor about what that word was. He wondered. The professor said, forgiveness. That is that word, forgiveness. Thank you for coming to worship today. We hope this has been a time of inspiration and meaning for you. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you, both now and forevermore. Amen.